Through an arbitrary problem, I had arrived at a tenet of good writing. Brevity wins. Michael Winter. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. Today, we are going to talk about probably one of the more common problems with new authors trying to emulate their favorite authors. And this is convoluted sentences with too many characters. I also see this in authors who are a combination of really smart, fast thinkers and pantsers because there are too many things happening in their mind at once. They're trying to get it all out as fast as possible. So they don't punctuate. They just sort of get as many things happening at the same time and end up with these convoluted sentences where seven characters are doing 14 different things. So this is somewhat similar to our episode two episodes ago about confusing timelines in sentences. But this is more about the blocking of characters, their placement, and how they are interacting with each other through a single sentence or maybe a small collection of sentences. So how do we tell what kind of litmus test do we have for if a sentence is convoluted? One of the first things that we're going to talk about is that too many characters, having too many characters doing things in there. So if you have he goes to her while this other guy is doing this over here and I'm watching it all happen. Then we've got five characters in that sentence and it can get very convoluted as far as who's doing what all the time. One of the things that I see quite a bit, especially with new authors, and is one of my biggest pet peeves that will make me put down a book, is when you lose track of the point of view. This is really common in third person if you are offering the opinions of more than one character at a time outside of dialogue, it is really easy to lose track of the point of view character. And you verge on head hopping, which we will talk about next week. Another litmus test you can throw at a sentence and go, is this too convoluted? Is this difficult to understand? Is if you have two different names at the beginning, and then at the end, you have a pronoun that could apply to either one. So Jack went to Mike's house and he had soda on the back porch. Who is he? Which one is it? Because I'm confused as far as what you're trying to tell me in this entire scene. So if you have named character, named character pronoun, then that sentence might merit extra attention. One of the other main things to look for that create convoluted sentences are extra dialogue tags. Sometimes if you take out the dialogue tag, it solves the problem. Especially if there is another action happening at the same time, you can identify the speaker of the sentence through what they're doing. So you don't necessarily need blah, 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 she said, then she did whatever. Because having the she did whatever attached to that quotation gives you the indicator of who's speaking without needing extra tags. Having action tags, having dialogue tags is not inherently good or bad. It is how they are used that can be a problem if they become redundant, just as anything is a problem if it's redundant. Another thing to keep an eye out for that makes sentences convoluted would be introducing a third character at the very end of the sentence. 
So most of the action is happening between characters A and B, and then character C gets dropped in at the last minute and it turns out it's all from his point of view. It can get extra confusing because most of the English language is generally stacked of subject and object. One thing happens to another and sometimes the person is the happening, but having a third piece in that puzzle can be something that makes a sentence convoluted. And of course, when you have too much information at once, it is simply too much. If the sentence does not start with the same thought that it ends with, you probably need to rephrase and split those two thoughts into two different sentences. This is the crime of the extra smart pantsers I was talking about earlier. Because they're starting the thought one way and then they have another thought as their fingers are moving. And they want to get that in also. And so grammatically, yes, it can follow all the right rules, but it's not communicating the story well. And you know, I love a good M-dash and good comma placements. But if you are putting too many M-dashes and qualifying phrases in middle of your sentence, stop. Break the ideas up into two different sentences. So I feel like we have a good understanding of what a convoluted sentence looks like. Now we're going to get into some examples and toss back and forth if we think this is a convoluted sentence or not. I'm going to go ahead and throw myself under the bus on this one and share a not great sentence from one of the pieces of my latest story that I shared with Lee. Then, Mokte and Waylon had fallen in love, meeting with each other in the darkest hours while Janik helped cover for them. So this is a problem because of one of the issues that Lee mentioned of introducing a third character at the end of the sentence for no reason whatsoever. It's just not great. In this particular moment, Janik is the main character, and he is talking about his friends who had fallen in love. So I think that's what you were going for was maintaining point of view. But because the rest of the scene is all from his point of view, we're getting that he understood that they had fallen in love. This also violates the sentence not ending the way it began because Janet covering for them is a different thought than them falling in love. Yeah. It is a not great sentence with the keeping track of point of view, with keeping track of too many characters. Our next sentence up for the chopping block comes from A.A. Milne's first Winnie the Pooh book, which is a collection of short stories. Oh, said Pooh. And then, seeing that Owl expected him to say something else, he said, Will there be those little cake things with the pink sugar icing? Uh <laughs> so it's adorable and it's A.A. Milne, so we, we get that. We have the word say or said three times in just under a sentence and a half. We have two dialogue tags back to back. So when we talked about consider eliminating that dialogue tag in order to make it a little clearer and easier to read, this might be a good example of that. Yeah, it should probably read, oh, and then saying that Al expected him to continue, he said, will there be those little cake things with pink sugar icing? Yeah. This is another one of those. We have Pooh and Owl and then he, both of which are male. So 
if this had been improperly paragraphed, which was common at that time, then it could be misunderstood who was doing the saying in the second half of this quote. Our next example. When things become too dangerous, she finds herself under the care and protection of the brothers, much to both their dismay. Who's both? Because there's more than one brother. And then her. But who's the two in the both? Yeah, we could do all their dismay, or protection of the men, much to the brother's dismay, maybe, depending on the protectors. Even simply much to their dismay would be better, because everybody is a little dismayed at this. (laughs) This is also one of those, doesn't start where it ends. So things become too dangerous, much to both their dismay. The dismay has nothing to do with the danger. It has to do with her being under the protection, which is in the middle. In an unexpected twist, the hidden truth about his identity as Nephilim, the offspring of angels, comes to light when he is rescued from hell by an angelic being. There is too much happening. So this is a description of a fan fiction about Supernatural. So it's kind of summarizing what's happening. If this were a blurb for this story, it would be one of the worst written blurbs I have ever seen. If you have a sentence structured similarly in your nano, this is a great opportunity to make that sentence into an entire paragraph. We've got three different things happening here that could each be their own sentence. What a Nephilim is, and then the hidden truth about his identity, and then him being rescued from hell by an angelic being. These are three independent thoughts that are crammed into the potato masher together. (laughs) I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I have ended up where I needed to be. This, I think, is a good example of a longer sentence with kind of separate ideas that actually works really well, because there is a clear progression of start to finish. The only thing that might be confusing is that there's a direction implied with all of this without any anchored locations. You can do that in other sentences around, but because it feels like he's speaking a little more metaphorically here, I think we can let him get away with it. Because where he intended to be was with this new job or whatever. I have not read a long, dark tea time of the soul. But where he needed to be might not have been his goal, but where the universe or his mentor character knew he needed to be in order to become the best version of himself. So it's all sort of metaphysical. So it works in this case. Overall, try to keep your sentences to one idea per sentence. Keep it simple and write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 